guys you just heard absinthe makes the heart grow fondue by noxious foxes who we have here with us today on square zeros i'm john mann i'm Derek hawkins and we're excited can you guys introduce yourself uh yeah i'm justin i play all the things that are not the drums <laughs> and i'm richard and i play the beats awesome maybe you can explain to us what all the things are that are not the drums in this case uh it's a guitar an electric piano and a synthesizer all at the same time Pretty more uh, or less. Yeah, I'll hop in between them usually. That's awesome. But yeah. I wonder, you know, I've seen you guys before, uh, but I wonder if you just describe a little bit about your live show, like how, how it works with the two of you with all those layers of sound and, and rhythm going uh, on. Yeah, so I don't know. We usually, we wrote the songs in the way that we perform them, so it kind of comes out that way where live we'll lay down a loop and then we'll lay something else on top of the loop uh, and I have two looper pedals that are connected together to two amps, so we have like a stereo looping thing. And because we have the backbone of the cycle of the loop, it gives Richie the freedom to go nuts, basically. That's awesome. I was gonna say it's it's pretty twisty for I, one of the one of the common you know complaints that I have when I think about like bands that use a lot of loops is like you get that groove going and then it just like doesn't change for the entire song. You know, you guys are like pretty twisty. Do you, uh, I mean, is that something that you sort of plan into the songs? Is it really difficult to accomplish that or? Uh, we definitely try to strive, I think, for changing up the vibe and the pacing and start doing polyrhythmic things that where the rhythms start folding over on themselves. Cool. Makes it fun. Uh, and that's, I've, I've, you know, if I may, I think there was a long time ago, several years ago was uh, the first time I saw you guys. And I remember being really impressed with like how you executed all of that on stage. And it was at a law party, but there was this one moment where like something gave out, something got kicked out, something died, a beat got missed. And you guys kind of like looked at each other with this like bummed out look and then just like picked up on a dime. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's like you've learned to like recover from 
little mistakes like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was what made the show for me. It was what made it kind of awesome. That's like, wow, like, you know, they get through one flub and then it's just like, boom, back on track. I think that's kind of the fun part about being in the project is that we're both kind of on tilt the entire time that we're playing and that we can mess up at any moment. But just because we've developed an inventory of kind of glances at each other, we can pick it back up pretty easily, hopefully, without the ship totally sinking. So, yeah. But one other thing I wanted to say about Justin's looping that makes it really fun is that it's not a linear thing because he has two loopers. He doesn't have to just play loop A, then B, then C, then D. He can kick out the bottom of it and then add something in because he has two on top. So it's constantly changing kind of the story that he's doing. How long have you guys been playing together in Noxious Foxes? Actually, well, how long have you guys been playing together and how long has Noxious Foxes been around? Uh, we were in a band in college together from 2002 to six called Jack Bauer. And uh, yeah, and then we both kind of went our separate ways after college. I was in California and he was upstate. Uh, and then he moved back down to the city. We moved and then we just decided to start a new project. That was 2009? Nine. Yeah, so then to now. Awesome. And where were you guys in college? Uh, Ithaca, Ithaca College. Oh, okay. So are you guys both from New York State or? Uh, I'm from Western New York outside Rochester, and he's from uh, Philly. Philly-ish. Philly. <laughs> <laughs> word, word. Cool. So did you guys know, so you guys did not know each other before college then? Nope. But what we're going to hear today is predominantly pre-college things, yes? And That's maybe, what you asked for. Some, and maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe some Jack Bauer if we get around to it, too, would be really cool. Um, all right, so maybe someone can explain to me what the first recording we have here today is. This is me? Is. So this is my uh, seventh grade project. We didn't have a name for it. It was basically two very emo kids at the time <laughs> playing acoustic guitar and trying to sing. That's about it. Okay. And w wait, what was it? What you say it doesn't have a name, but I see. It, it eventually formed into this band called Renoa, which was a Final Fantasy character that uh, I played religiously. Yes. <laughs> which Final Fantasy? It was Final Fantasy VII. That's the hard one, right? Yeah. Word. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the song is "Deer Across Highways." <laughs> I don't even. I don't even understand how to comment on this. I think we should just listen to it and then we'll try and digest it together. Oh yeah, should I turn on the visual? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stem to the highway, sign 65 with signaling 90. Congratulations, exoneration, a deer in the headlights, dear. Caught up in mountain time, overawed and on the line, the carnival's champion. Dashboard, dear. 
it's really gone this time You step past bounds and overlines Miriam keeps saying Forgetting ground Forgetting to just run away Just run away Just run away Just run away Live if you want Oh man, oh man, that that was pre-dashboard confessional, pre-Swiss Army romance, I believe. Wow, man! <laughs> and you were twelve years old. I was twelve, and Josh Kerrigan, his name was thirteen. Wow, I think Matt Pryor just released a song like that. <laughs> now, now is the, is this Josh Kerrigan going to be furious that you put this up on the internet? I don't think so. He's pretty. Uh, he's hard to embarrass so <laughs> yeah, he, i mean he was the singer you know so nice nice no i was saying i mean listening to this i mean i know obviously stylistically it's a it's a departure from what you guys are doing now yeah slight departure slight I do, departure. I, I, I do like to think that maybe this is where you formulated that idea that you were like you know four four is for suckers man you know we need to like <laughs> step outside of that in the time signature but uh honestly i mean for you to be 12 and writing this is like pretty i mean I think a pretty big deal. And I, I think the sound quality sounded good, too. How did you guys record this? This was done on mini-disc player, so it was start-to-finish recordings. And then I would take one mini-disc player, play that back through a mixer, onto another one, and we'd do overdubs that way. So we'd pass it back and forth. So we had two mini-disc players, and that's our way of kind that's of a multi-tracking. Cool yeah. yeah, I didn't actually know that we were really even recording and doing that. That, but I just knew how to do that because I grew up recording my own piano recitals and things like that. So yes. <laughs> I got to say, too, you know, I uh, just went home and discovered uh, a cassette of me when I was 14 uh, covering an Alkaline Trio song. Uh, <laughs> I would have been jealous of that <laughs> at like middle high school. So um, congrats. Now, t can you give us some backstory on Deer Across Highways? Because I kept waiting for the part where you like, you know, the car hits the deer or something like that. But. I didn't really get that impression from the lyrics. I really don't know what they're about, <laughs> to be completely honest. I just remember sitting around kind of bantering, trying to do some like flashy words with him, and that's what he kind of came up with and settled on. So I, I think we'd have to have Josh in the room for him to really explain that All one. Right. <laughs> Josh, the invitation is extended. Yeah. Now, Justin, had you heard Renoa before? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we all shared our high school music experiences and before in college. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's been a while. Since what what are your thoughts it. listening to it now? I mean, yeah, I've been pressed uh, for the song, for their age and how old of a song it is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's funny listening to it now, imagining little Richard Lovingood <laughs> playing his acoustic guitar. So what, what, happened, what happened to Renoa? Well, Renoa grew into a kind of pop punk band in high school, and we ended up opening for Saves a Day in Midtown and uh, a couple other bands like that. We were pretty strong in the Jersey scene, and my parents were driving <laughs> us around to shows for a little while. And uh, yeah. Opening for Saves a Day is a big deal, man. It was Especially fun, yeah. We had, we had an electric factory show in Philly. And we got to open for them. We actually covered some of their songs, which we didn't understand was like a bad thing to do. <laughs> Wait, you covered you covered Saves the Day show. Out of Saves the Day. Out of Saves the Day show. Yes. 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 <laughs> At the Electric Factory, no less. Which, yeah. for those of uh, you who aren't familiar with Philly, uh, Electric Factory was. Is it is is it still around? Is I I would hope. Is a, it's a, a pretty cool a, venue. A pretty rad venue. Yeah. Uh, well, Justin, you got a couple tracks for us. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about uh, Johnny Action. Uh, so this was 
my band we formed like late middle school to play uh a class recital show we covered damn it by blink 182 yes. but we called it growing up because we didn't think <laughs> damn it would have flown with the with the people in charge of the thing you know it wasn't right yeah. for that scene man. yeah we were too yeah too raunchy um yeah so then after that we just started writing songs and hanging out we were all really good friends um yeah so yeah we recorded an ep junior year and then we did a full-length uh senior year sweet so you want to spin something from the ep first sure yeah what so we got here that's uh runaway runaway um, word let's yeah. do it let's do it runaway by johnny action started out i was like oh this is going to be some sort of like brand new kind of like emo pop thing and then it's just like so abruptly turn a corner and i was like all right <laughs> this this is yes these guys went somewhere <laughs> great 
That was sweet. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, it sounds like something that maybe like didn't quite make the cut on like Equal Vision Records. Oh, no. 2002. That's that's probably what we were trying to do. <laughs> uh, you were playing what kind of guitar? Uh, this was on an Ibanez seven-stringed guitar, yes. um, in regular tuning. Word. Yeah. All right. Who were your influences? Uh, I was really into uh, Incubus and Rage Against the Machine. Um, and then some like really embarrassing stuff like Linkin Park a little bit, Lost Profits a little bit. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I was gonna say the the build up you gave us where it's like, oh, we started in middle school and we like played Damn It as a school, you know, like yeah, right. a school function. I was like, this is a far cry from that, man. Yeah, there's definitely some like new, more advanced shit <laughs> that you had gotten into by high school. Um, yeah, it's funny too. I I've, I. Uh, something we hear more and more from people and it's funny because with really different diverse bands is like for our generation Incubus Incubus must be like the pivotal high school band that like everybody kind of gave a shit about yeah they were easily one of the biggest bands like in our high school and it's one of those things where it's like sometimes you get like a new metal band you're like okay you were listening to science and then you get like some other band and you're like okay you were listening to Make Yourself you know Like, like, like you can almost tell how old the people were when they were like 16 <laughs> by what incubus record they were like copping riffs off and shit like that yeah that was definitely a science based right. influence yeah no turntables though oh i know <laughs> instead we had the big bass laser sound yeah, it, 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 <laughs> that yeah, was that, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um that was pretty rad though so wait who was the re- what was the rest of the band made up of uh paul our buddy paul was on guitar and sang uh, this is when we had Travis was in the band too, uh, who also sang. Uh, Chris was the bass player, and Bob was their drummer. Okay. And uh, so that EP was junior year of high school for you? Yeah, I think it was junior year. Let me ask you, how did you guys do, and how did you fit into your scene? Because another another running kind of thing that we've, we've found on Square Zeros is a lot of people are like, I would kill to have the kind of success that I had in high school now you know when it was like you had a captive audience of like all your like your high school class and it was like really easy to get rid of your cds or whatever you know i yeah we had a decent following in terms of the bands in our high school we were there's only a few of them so just by the fact that we existed we had you know friends coming out to shows and all that uh we played a lot of shows we never turned a show down so we ended up playing all these stupid shows Uh, a lot of times we'd play at bars before when we were all underage and our friends couldn't even come see us. Um, yeah, one of our first paid gigs, we had to play three hours at a bar um, when we were oh like God, 17. I know. It was, <laughs> so we just learned well, all of these like radio rock songs and just played them, but we were like freshmen's. <laughs> wow. Well, let's hear where you advanced to with this uh, LP. Uh, this song is called uh, Transaction. Indeed. Is that correct? And the LP is the mysterious identity between four and five? Yeah. Let me ask, too, uh, because because we know that there was like a year or roughly a year between these recordings. Did you guys see it? Were you like, were you guys kind of ambitious about it? Were you like, okay, this is where we've been. Let's take this next step. Or was it like, we just have another batch of songs? Um, Kind of. It was senior year and we were all going to college, too. So we wanted to definitely go for it and try to make an album that we're excited about and uh, see what happened of it. We never really aspired to do anything once college started, but um, yeah, we just went for it. The title is an Orwellian uh, 1984 reference. All the lyrics were written by Paul and Chris, um, and they were big like English nerds. <laughs> Check it out. Pretty dystopian for angsty young kids. Will you be bought and sold? Will you be bought and and sold? Down 
Second stage turbine blade. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell you open for Coheed. That was part of the talk over during this track <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You open for Coheed and Cambria, which is a perfect pairing, I might add. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> we were very excited about it. Um, we played. We opened for them in Pittsburgh at Duquesne University. Nice. We won a battle of the bands. So. Did you get to meet the guys from Coheed? Uh, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> we, I think one of, somebody slipped him one of our burn CDRs or something. That, yeah, that's as close as we got. Man, <laughs> I can't imagine they got anybody's burn CDRs ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, that's really cool though. So, what was the crowd like at that show? Uh, I think it was decently attended for. Uh, it's kind of a small school, but there was a lot of people there. It was like an auditorium style. Do you feel? Did you guys get a good response? Uh, yeah, I think it was. As I remember, it was pretty decent. We thought we did pretty good. Nice. All right. Well, that was pretty ill. <laughs> so tell us about what was the uh, recording process for each of these. I, I guess the EP was probably if you were if you're if you guys knew you weren't going to necessarily continue the band into college. I assume that you kind of pulled out all the stops for the last record. Uh, yeah, we went to the big studio that we knew of in Rochester called. East End Studios. I don't think it exists anymore, um, but we knew one of the engineers there, so we got a slightly discounted rate. Nice. And we booked it out for like four or five days, I think. Word. I was gonna say too. What was your uh, what was your like guitar rig at that point? Like, kind of nerd out with us for a little bit. What was? Um, what were you using? I think I might have had a Paul Reed Smith guitar. Okay. In drop D, probably most of the time. And uh, a Mesa Tremoverb combo amp. Wow. Now, Rich, you've heard that before, but it's been a while, huh? And I still remember every little note. I noticed, yeah. What do you think of those changes, man? Pretty rock solid for, for that age, I think. It's pretty complicated music, actually, listening to it again even a decade later. Uh, how did y'all parlay that, like, you know, not... Not that you necessarily parlay this directly <laughs> in Noxious Boxes, but like, um, but you know, obviously, like, you guys write really sophisticated, uh, really uh, well planned, precise music now. And like, I'm wondering where, like, the interest in that got kind of stirred up. I think we're both naturally pretty noodly musicians, but not from an improv standpoint. I think we both really fall on structure a lot, and everything that we do, a lot of people kind of. I find that most people that don't get the music that we play now or don't, I don't know, it kind of falls under them. They think that we're just improving, but actually everything is really regimented and extremely structured. So um, 
but naturally we just want to capture these little phrases and try to execute them. So, yeah, I think we're also just kind of, uh, have perfectionist mentalities. So we're always trying to improve and do something new and more and beyond. So we just kind of really challenge ourselves. And once it was just a project with us too, and we didn't have like the entire band to delegate all of the opinions of what the band should be. We just kind of got to push it all in one direction and uh, see what happened. Mm -hmm. And I got a question that, you know, I'm sure a lot of like non-musicians and musicians alike are wondering, but um, how do you guys go about, what are your practices like? And uh, how do you commit these pretty complex parts and these changes in your songs now to memory? Um, We'll try to start with either a riff or a beat. Uh, if one of us has something there and ready. And we we try to write all the songs basically um, in the same room together. So we just kind of start with a riff or a beat and we'll work off of each other, Uh, lay the loop down, let the loop go, and then try to just take it part by part. Once the layers start stacking up, we try to see how we can cut out of it and do something else. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. It's just kind of trial and error and being in the same room and banging against it. And I guess, too, at this point, you guys say you've been working on this project for five years. Um, now, had you guys played music before that? Am I to understand that you guys have been in another band together before Noxious Foxes? Or? We, we were in a project in college together called Jack Bauer. We mm. started that freshman year. I saw a guy wearing an at-the-drive-in shirt during orientation, and that was sort of my ticket to, Fresh. to go for that. <laughs> so I immediately befriended him and... I'm not sure how I met Justin. I remember I was actually trying to play guitar in the project. Yeah, it was Mark. No, Sheldon was the one wearing the shirt. So our first singer in Jack Bauer was wearing the shirt who knew Mark from home, I believe. And Mark lived next door to you or something? Next door, freshman dorm. Right. So we were actually trying to audition drummers for a while, and then I didn't like any of the drummers. So <laughs> Mark said, hey, I know this guitar player, Justin, that lives next door. So I just hopped over to the kit and kind of really haven't left since. And Awesome. And how long, how long did that band go on? It was all four years of college. Okay. And you guys just, at the end of college, people went their separate ways and it just ended? Yeah, Justin and Mark went to another group called Another Day Late out in L.A., and I moved to an upstate band in Albany uh, called Aficionado, and I played keys for them for a while. And then how did you guys end up back in Noxious Foxes? I think we were both miserable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure we were both pretty miserable, and we decided to all move to the city and see what happened. And Justin kind of was – it took a little while for him to – completely remove himself from LA but once that band disbanded then uh, I think our first practice we had a really good practice and we came up with our first song on the first record of Noxious Foxes in that first practice and I think that was kind of it we decided we didn't really need anyone else after we that first jam uh, what kind of stuff do you guys have on the horizon then uh, we might be playing a rooftop show on the fourth and uh Beyond that, we really don't have much shows coming up. Right now, we're recording some new songs. Uh, we have one that's mastered, and we have two that are um, about half recorded. And then try to do a couple more. Uh, we're going to try to do a week tour in the end of August, kind of cut around the Northeast, going to Canada a little bit. Um, and it's about, it's about it. We're going to just try to write and record and play some shows later in the summer and take it from there. And you guys record yourselves, right? Yes. That's, uh, yeah, it's one of the nice things about the project because it's very difficult to record it and mix it. And we get to spend get to spend the time we need on it when we can mm-hmm. fit it in. Nice. And can you talk a little bit about your most recent record, Apocalypso? That uh, came out, sure. what, this time last year? Uh, yeah, it was something like that. Double um, LP. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's really rad. Yeah, we're really <laughs> pleased with how it came out. Um, yeah, we spent a lot of time on it. We recorded yeah. we recorded and re-recorded the songs a couple times um, over the course of maybe like a year, yeah, year and a half almost. And you guys are afforded that because you have a studio, right, that you run yourself. I do, and we re- honestly need a lot of time in the space because I think that we get 
the song's kind of structured in practice, but we don't really hear the intricacies of it until uh, Hole lay down his parts, and then I'm kind of playing along. We kind of it's this weird carving process where we're kind of going back over each other's music, essentially, kind of taking passing it back and forth, and just getting it tighter and tighter and tighter, and then we say, okay, it's finally ready to come out of the oven. But that takes a lot of recording time. Very cool. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Well, did we want to try and listen to a Jack Bauer track to get an idea of where you guys have sort of been, and then maybe close with a with another Noxious Foxes track to to yeah, cap it all let's, off, let's it. get the trajectory, get get the we can abbreviate the trajectory from like seventh grade to present <laughs> <laughs> down to like down to like college to present. Um, what should we expect out of Jack Bauer? What's what what do you guys sound like when you're adulterated with three other three other songwriters? I I mean college was a really good musical experience for me a lot of the people i met were listening to music i had no idea about i was still coming from the frame of like radio rock and small um suburb town scene so uh learned a lot of good music yeah we we're definitely influenced by like at the drive-in what else did we all agree on dismemberment plan, dismemberment plan. we only played a few covers um we played a dismemberment plan cover uh, the Toadies, yeah, <laughs> Possum Kingdom. Uh, yeah, so it was, I don't know, it was good. It just kind of taught me to think outside of the box of what I had learned so far.
That was sweet. That was really cool. I can hear how like you know stripped of vocals like you'd have like how how that kind of translates into sort of what you guys are doing now a little bit more. Yeah, I think there's definitely some moments in that track that you can kind of hear like especially the delayed parts, and I think the beat's a little non-traditional for that kind of song too. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you strip back the other elements. I think there's a little bit of us in the present there for sure. Yeah. And since we geeked out a bunch about your gear from like eight, ten years ago, like what are you guys playing now? What are your rigs now? Well, I'm still playing just the drums. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> what, what kind of what, what kind of what kind of kit? I have a I have a couple of kits that I kind of alternate between depending on what I'm feeling like. But mostly I play a Slingerland. It's a '70s kit. It's a six ply oak, which is really loud, which I really like for especially the kick drum. It kind of resonates a little bit easier because I play a lot. A lot of really fast things so you need something that's gonna you know push out your your kick drum notes in particular and then I have this 20 uh, inch Tom I don't know where it came from uh, it's this beast it's the biggest floor Tom I've ever seen so I just had yes. to grab that down at main drag and John's really cool down there so he fixed it up for me and put new heads on it and tuned it up nice and then the rack is another I don't know where that guy came from either and then I play all flat top rides which is kind of a weird thing I think a lot of drummers have complimented or at least commented on the sound of those things so i think for our music it works really well because they don't wash out and just take over and he's playing so many different kind of high frequency elements that you need to just have the the initial attack of the symbol but not necessarily the decay so it's really important to be conscious of that especially in like concrete rooms and things like that Mm -hmm. you know my symbols won't destroy everyone's ears (laughs) yeah And Justin is kind of playing a custom beast that he can talk about. Um, yeah, so I, my guitars, I got a semi-hollow body Gibson guitar and uh, recently got a Telecaster um, with single coil pickups in both um, amp pegs for amps. And a, I just got a Fender Bassman recently that really stoked on. It was a really good deal. It sounds great. Um, the stuff I'm recording now, I'm using that. Uh uh, Wurlitzer, a 200A for the piano, uh, SH-101 synthesizer, uh, thing is a tank, it's like 30 years old. Richie actually, it's Richie's, but I've been playing it for years, so it feels like mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then the, a ton of pedals, but the Gibson Echoplexes are the, kind of like the heart of the band that lets us do what we're doing, um. So it's just like two big crazy looper pedals going to separate amps that are slaved together. It's called Brother Sync. Um, so, so yeah, it just gives me the freedom to play something once and not have to play it again. That's awesome. That's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, it's really refreshing, uh, like, in a town where, like, right now, you know, there's a big, like, garage kind of psych revival happening here. It's rad. There's a ton of rad bands coming out of it. But... Again, I think it's refreshing that there's a band that's like not just a duo, but like the two of you are putting so much like time and thought into like your sound and so much your your music involves so much precision. It's not you know droney or anything like that. It's like it makes it makes you guys stand out. I think uh, among a lot of what's happening in North Brooklyn right now, and that's well, rad. Uh, so we- take us out on uh, something from Apocalypso. Sure. Cool. Uh, what uh, do you got for us? Uh, you want to do Neanderthal? Yeah. This is uh, it's the first one with we did with the drum machine. Okay. Yeah. It's a good track. I want to bring it back live. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thanks again so much for coming on. Um, John Mann. Derek Hawkins, Noxious Foxes.